Hello and welcome. This is Diane Lake, your host, and I'm going to be sharing how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that make it relevant to everyday life so that you can prepare the way for the Lord's purposes to manifest in the earth. This is Preparing the Way, That Practical Prophetic. Hello guys, welcome to episode 11, Why Fivefold Ministry is Essential. I'll be talking about the fivefold ministry gifts today, what they are, why they're essential, and how to affirm if you have a fivefold ministry gift in you. So we'll have to start with this scripture. It's the foundation for this, Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, which says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right, so under the Old Covenant, the primary way that God spoke to his people was through the prophets. Of course, in the last days of this new covenant, he speaks to us through his Son. But Jesus only physically walked on this earth for 33 years, so we might wonder how does he accomplish this today. Well, obviously, an important and foundational way he speaks to us today is through the written word, the Bible. Another significant way is by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us when he was comforting his disciples in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit would come to teach and to bring to remembrance all things he had said. So that important passage that we spoke of, really the whole passage is more from Ephesians 4, 17 through 16, a few verses more than we read. That's where it reveals that Jesus gave himself as a result of his first coming through the gifts of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, since he could no longer physically walk the earth, he divided up the ministry qualities and gifts, and he distributed them among his people in the church. So that means these attributes are meant to equip and mature and edify believers to completely come into the fullness of Christ. Sometimes we can grow critical of these gifts and misunderstand them and they're not always used as they should be, but that doesn't mean we can eliminate them either. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is trying to clarify some of the things that surround these gifts. So when I first began to write about these gifts a few years ago, at that time I knew some good friends who were pastors and actually I knew several pastoring couples who were in the midst of divorce. So as pastors of a church, obviously, the pressures and demands of ministry are a lot. But when a divorce happens, you wonder, is there something else going on? So I actually Googled some statistics at that time, and I found some of these following. That 1800, as many as 1,800 pastors leave the ministry each month. That 40% of pastors will not be in ministry within 10 years. That 50% of pastors feel unable to meet the needs of their job. 80% believe that pastoral ministry negatively affects their families. 45% of pastors say they've experienced depression or burnout to the extent that they need a leave of absence from ministry. And 33% felt burned out within the first five years of their ministry. So that's some pretty sobering statistics. 
Now, there's, of course, no way to entirely alleviate the pressure that pastors face on a daily basis, but I do feel that the strain is greatly compounded when the fivefold ministry gifts are not fully operating in the churches today. It is not God's intention for pastors to attempt to equip and build the body up alone. There are no scriptures that even suggest that one senior pastor or shepherd has been given everything necessary to perfect a particular congregation. I've heard it said this way, that the fivefold ministers are meant to cooperate in their special giftings and abilities in order to govern, to guide, to gather, to ground, and to guard God's people. So that's a pretty good descriptor, I think, right there. So let's just start out with what I would call Spiritual Gifts 101, just some basics about spiritual gifts. There are three main passages in Scripture that outline spiritual gifts. In Romans 12, 6-8, you'll find the motivation gifts. Those are the gifts that are like hardwired into us. You can kind of recognize tendencies in people. They might not even believers be believers. Some are extra compassionate. They might champion the underdog. Some are going to be exhorters or encouragers. They just cannot help themselves but to do that. And a server tends to be very good with their hands. The second passage is in 1 Corinthians 12, 8-10, which contains the manifestation gifts. These are the expression and the activity of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of ministering to others. We realize them after spirit baptism, and they're developed best in an atmosphere that is nurturing, allows for instruction, activation, that kind of thing. And finally, as we already said, in Ephesians 4.11, we find the fivefold or equipping gifts, sometimes called the ascension gifts, for the equip- equipping and the maturity and the unity These things are what it's intended for, for the body of Christ. Now, you might not know whether you initially have an equipping gift. It is usually confirmed by God and other people over a period of time. So we'll be talking more about that at the end in more depth. So let's address the issue of whether the fivefold gifts still exist and are meant to function today. And specifically look at what a fivefold gift of pastor is, versus what we might typically define as a pastor in today's churches. Because there are those who are adamant that these gifts no longer exist, and those who would argue that a pastor is someone who operates as a bishop or or an overseer over a church, as defined in the pastor epistles by Paul, specifically 1 Timothy 3.1, but there's a correlating passage in Titus 1.7. So in the verse that we already read, Ephesians 4.11, the Greek word for pastor means literally to shepherd. All right, so that's what a pastor means, to shepherd. In 1 Timothy 3.1, and again in Titus 1.7, we find the model for a pastor. In other words, the qualifications for someone who wants to be a bishop or an overseer. Now that is the position that is typically thought of as the position of a pastor in today's churches. So let's read that verse. 1 Timothy 3.1 says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. And as I said, the Greek word for bishop is different. That is episkopos. It means overseer or bishop. It is not the same as a pastor, which in the Greek means to shepherd, all right? So what's confusing is that in today's churches, we're 
we're substituting the word pastor for what really is an overseer. So let me see if I can clarify this. So what we are talking about is a position or a job versus a gift, okay? The position or role or job of a pastor that we say is a pastor is really a bishop or an overseer of today's churches versus a gift, a shepherding gift, all right? So, you know what I've found is that many of those who function today as a senior pastor in that role or that position actually do not have the equipping gift of a pastor, all right? So, if you think about it, it's pretty obvious. We have gone to a church um, for the last five years. Well, actually, we're not going there now. We're kind of visiting a couple other churches. Sometimes the Lord gives us different assignments, but we had been at a particular church most Sundays for, the, if we weren't doing our own ministry, that is, because sometimes we travel and such, but uh, that particular pastor was an evangelist, first and foremost. He had the gift of evangelism, and we used to joke, we took some friends there with us one time who were staying with us, some ministry friends, and we said, you know what, you'll understand <clears throat> what we're talking about when you go, because even though you're saved already today, you're going to get saved again after you listened, after you listened to his sermon. And it's true. It's like every Sunday you got saved because he was such an, a strong evangelist. He could not help but work that into the message every Sunday. Now, some pastors are more uh, specifically gifted as teachers. They love to expound on the word and teach it's their primary gifting. Some are apostles, some are prophets, some are administrators. There's quite a mix, but we call them all pastors, right? And many of them don't have that shepherding gift. So let's talk about whether the fivefold gifts are still needed and valid for today. I believe firmly that the answer to that question is that they are. Nobody will find them in the museum. You're not going to see the fivefold gifts in the museum because they are still fully functioning. They are out there. We see them not only in churches, but also in the spheres of society today in different ways. They look different in the seven mountains. We'll talk about that a bit more. There is not one scriptural indication anywhere that the fivefold gifts have been recalled or that, that they are dispensationally depleted or have been removed from their Christ-appointed ministry to the church and within the spheres of society. Remember, the church bride has to be made ready to become mature before Christ can come back. As we continue, I'm going to reference a book here written by Bishop Bill Hammond called Apostles, Prophets, and the Coming Moves of God. Now, Bishop's books are very deep, but this is a very good book, and I'm going to gather a little bit of material and pass it on to you as I continue here. And that is that you can think of the fivefold equipping gifts as God's hand of ministry. First Peter 5, 6 says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So you may have heard, heard this illustration before, but I think Bishop does a good job. You could think of the apostle as the thumb on the hand. It's not in opposition to or over the fingers, but it's designed to complete the full function and power of the hand. Apostles function in administration. Together with the prophets, they lay the foundation with proper doctrinal and spiritual teaching and structure. You find that in Ephesians 2.20. Apostles move primarily in the gifts of healing, faith, working of miracles, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and sometimes prophecy. 
In a modern church setting, they might oversee the development and sending of apostolic teams from miracle ministries. They might be active in activating, imparting, and demonstrating the apostolic anointing to other believers. And they would participate in going to other regions and nations to establish new churches and to help local pastors restore order and unity in existing congregations. The prophet you could think of as the forefinger. The forefinger can be called the pointer finger. The prophet functions in revelation and points the way to the other believers. The office of the prophet, let me say this, is different than the gift of prophecy. It carries a governmental authority, a role with higher responsibility. The gift of prophecy that any believer can have is for edification, exhortation, and comfort, whereas the prophet flows in areas of guidance, instruction, rebuke, judgment, and revelation, whatever Christ chooses to speak for the purification and perfection of his church. Prophets can also have this special ability to recognize God's gifts and calling on other individuals and can activate people into those ministries. Not everyone who prophesies is a prophet, just as if not everyone who moves in miracles would be necessarily an apostle either. In a church today, prophets might oversee the Department of Qualified Prophetic Teams to train them up to be able to give accurate and timely personal prophetic words, and also groups of ministers and elders who would come together for the purposes of ministering prophetically to other individuals within that church body. All right, the evangelist, you could think of as the middle finger. The middle finger extends the furthest on the hand. It represents the outreach, the ministry meant to evangelize the world. An evangelist in today's church might oversee evangelistic teams and outreach, maintain the passion and the vision for winning souls to Jesus within that congregation and also training up prophetic evangelists. The pastor we could think of as the ring finger. It's the wedding ring finger, right? Symbolizing the pastor's commitment to the flock. Prophets and evangelists might come and go, but the pastor is the one who is bound by commitment and relationship to be that person who shepherds the local saints within relationship. All right. So those in the pastoral department of a local church would oversee home group leaders, assist senior assist the senior pastor in duties such as weddings, funerals, visitations, that kind of thing, prayer counseling, and maybe other types of miscellaneous ministry capacities. All right. So the teacher we could think of as the little finger. Even though it's the smallest, it's essential. It provides balance and grounding. The teacher grounds the church, therefore, in truth, through instruction in the principles of God's Word. A teaching department in a modern-day church would oversee the educational needs and training, including writing and developing curriculum and performing all the teaching duties that you might think would be things like Sunday school and Bible studies, like things like that. So some might be called to give the word of the Lord only occasionally to key people, all right? So when we're talking about a prophet, let's say, or an apostle, you know, in particular, some that we know of by name recognition, they have large and international ministries. But you could be, let's say, an apostle or a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist and have a small local ministry. Or maybe you don't have a ministry at all and you operate within the seven mountains or spheres of spheres of influence in society. These are the areas, I'll just review them quickly, like government, business, education, arts, entertainment, media, religion, and family. 
Think of Daniel in the Bible. He was a prophet, but he never had a pulpit. You never saw him in any kind of a church setting. He was called to the business arena, and he had such a dramatic influence, right, within that uh, particular area. So, you know, you might just ask yourself the question, what scenario is this when I see someone operating in a particular gift, and I know it's of the Lord, because it's going to look different for everybody. Now, my husband, Al, he's a strong pastor. In fact, my mentor, Karen, had said before she passed away on multiple occasions that he had one of the most pure pastoral giftings and anointings that she had ever seen. And my husband and I do not pastor within the walls of a church. We do pastor in a ministry outside the walls through media, through all the social medias, platforms like podcasts, and the articles that we write that go on large platforms like Elijah Lister, Charisma, wherever. So we have a different kind of influence. But my husband pastors, he can't help himself. In fact, a recent example is that he had been in Lowe's to get something for some of the rentals that we maintain. And there was a particular guy there working that I think he sees him sometimes, you know, probably just an employee that's particularly helpful or whatever. But this guy was just not having uh, a good day at all. He's obviously in, you know, just kind of a state of depression. And so my husband started to talk to him and come to find out he was about ready to divorce his wife. And if I remember correctly, they had been married for quite some time too. So it's not like he was, you know, new to this. And maybe they'd been married 30 years, let's say. I can't remember for sure. But my husband, being the pastor he was, volunteered to pray with him, counseled him, um, just kind of left him, I'm going to say, way better off than when he came in. And when he came back the next time to Lowe's, this guy was just, you know, his face was just glowing. And he, you know, ran over to my husband and he's like, oh my gosh, I just have to tell you, my wife and I are doing so much better. We're not going to get the divorce and all this. And so, I mean, you have to have people who are pastoring wherever they go, right? And a true pastor is going to be operating in that gift as a shepherd and counseling and praying and all those things that my husband does wherever they go. So if you're in the business realm and you're a pastor, you're going to be that one who's pastoring people on the, on the, in the workplace, on the job. You know what I'm saying? I have another uh, example for you. I have a really good friend uh, who is, a, I would call, a marketplace apostle. Now, his primary function over the years of his employment was as an educator. He was a guidance counselor, and he was a football coach. And he had this unique ability to come into a community, especially he loved to take on a football team that was just at the bottom. You know, they just had a history of losing and just kind of dysfunctional. And he would take those guys, those high school guys, and build them into a team where they would be consistently winning and within that community it would be like by the time he got established over a couple years it would be like the the whole community the families the teachers the parents it was like he could have a key to the city if he wanted it so to speak because he came in there and he set order and caused things to function as they should now was he ever a pastor not technically not an apostle in a ministry setting at all, but he performed it within the community and with the educational sector, which I think is super exciting. So don't get locked into what something looks like. There are many ways that these gifts can function, these fivefold. So let's attempt to answer the question. You might be wondering, 
by now. Is there a five-fold ministry gift in me? So I'm going to give you five affirmations or five ways uh, that we might be able to tell whether we have a five-fold ministry gift. Now, we might not get all of our questions answered today in the, the ways that I'm going to explain it, but there's going to be a measure like, yeah, I can recognize myself, recognize myself in some of what you're talking about, okay? So I think it's going to help. So number one, you don't choose to be a five-fold minister. God does the choosing. We just say yes, okay? It's, what, it's like that with any ministry gifts, but fivefold is what we're talking about here. So 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says this, And God has appointed these in the church first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, after that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administration, and varieties of tongues. So in other words, he picks, all right? And generally, a person receives a divine call from God by some means of revelation. Could be revelatory knowledge in the form of a dream or vision, possibly just a deep conviction, or maybe even a personal prophetic word spoken to you by a prophet or a prophetic team. So when I received my first call to be uh, what I would call as a prophet who prepares the way, I actually had an angelic encounter. I won't get too involved in it because I don't want to go too long for the sake of time, but basically an angel woke me up at night, put their hand on my back, so this was just like an incredible experience. There were, you know, when I got up out of bed that night, in fact, the presence of the Lord was so strong I could barely stand. A number of things happened that night, but one thing that happened was I was given Matthew 3, 3. And when I looked that up in the morning, and actually my Bible fell open to it, to be honest. And I read that passage of when John the Baptist was identified as one who came before and prepared the Lord's way. I mean, I cannot even tell you how strongly I was hit by the Holy Spirit. That's probably the first time that I heard from the Lord a revelation that I was going to be walking in a particular ministry gift of the prophet, okay? But that's just the first, because number two, you have to be patient while God perfects you for ministry, okay? So number one, you're going to get a call from God somehow. You're going to know. Number two, you'll be need to be patient. God has to perfect you. There's a process of coming into maturity. There's a period of faithfulness that re is required to be able to function in a five-fold ministry gift. You have to have the character to support and sustain the gift. Otherwise, you're going to crash and burn. And so what's the point in that, right? Okay, so think of David. I think he's my favorite example of something like this. So what did he do after he was anointed by Samuel as king? Because he was going to have a pastoral anointing and a prophetic anointing to rule over the people of Israel, right? Psalm 78, 70 to 72 tells us that God took him from shepherding the sheep, the ewes, uh, to shepherding the people of Israel. But what did he do? He went back to tending sheep. He literally went back to killing lions, tigers, and bears. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit violent, but honestly, yeah, he just went back to doing what he was doing before. So that might be a word for someone listening today. Maybe you do feel you have a five-fold ministry calling, but if it hasn't been matured and perfected and everything and you're early in the stage, just keep doing what you're doing, okay? Just go back to what you're doing. Let God develop the gift and bring it into the fullness of ministry, okay? And think of David again. All the things that he did for 15 years before he saw the fulfillment of his prophetic and pastoring role fulfilled. He had to be tested. He had to be proven. He had to serve, right? in many kinds of ways. And even think of Elisha, the prophet. He apprenticed for 12 years under Elijah before he began to function as a prophet. You can find that in 1 Kings 19. 
So number three, there will be confirming signs along the way. You will get more revelation that, yes, God's going to confirm it to you. Initially, you'll hear it. You, then you have to be patient. And then you will expect to see confirming signs. That could, again, be another uh, series of dreams and visions. It could be, again, some more prophetic words, that type of king thing that will give you the, the heads up that, yep, we're still on that path, okay? Number four, people will begin to affirm your call, your call and your gift. Maybe one prophet initially said you have the gift of being an evangelist. Well, now somebody else is saying it to you, okay? And other people are beginning to affirm and see that gift. What happens is it begins to mature and manifest and becomes more easy to see, okay? Number five, you will begin functioning fully in the gift as God intended. Is that an affirmation? Yes, it is. It's a sign. Once you begin to act in that gift and function, it's a sign. Um, think of this. David was 15 years before he was first anointed as king over Judah. For seven years he was that king. And then all over all of Israel and Judah for another 33 years. That was a sign that sure enough he was a prophet and a and uh, as well as a shepherd over Israel. And Moses, I remember um, the passage of the burning bush where he is wondering, am I really called by God to do, you know, make these signs to Pharaoh and lead these people? And what did God tell him? And this shall be a sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. So it is a sign at the last confirming and affirming sign that you have a fivefold gift is when you begin to function in it. So I want to close in prayer by just reminding you that, remember, it's not like you can know for sure that you have a fivefold gift in the beginning. So be patient. Let it, let it just mature and develop, all right? Lord Jesus, thank you that there are many listening right now who are wondering if they have a fivefold ministry gift. Lord, I pray that you would affirm it to them. I pray that you would give them the revelation that they need to begin the journey at whatever stage they are, that you would reaffirm if that is what's necessary, that you would bring the people within the sphere of their influence who can confirm and reassure and help develop that gift, Father. Give them patience. Give them the ability, Father, even those who needed to hear the word, that just keep doing what you're doing and let God do what he does. Let him develop the gift. Father, I thank you that there are those listening who have been raised up for such a time as this. You have put a five-fold ministry calling upon their life, and you will affirm it, and you will develop it, and you will bring it to maturity, and this shall be a sign because they shall function in that gift. Thank you, Father, that you are going to use this podcast to bless many people and to help them further develop their ministry and to understand the five-fold calling as well and support it in others. Thank you, Father, for a good podcast, and I just pray that it will be a blessing to all who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And remember, sign up for our newsletter. I'm starting to plug that more. Go to our website, www.starfireministries.org, and sign up today. Thanks again. Bless you. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your positive review helps the show reach more people with our message. And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org, where you can donate, read our latest articles, and keep up to date with us on all of our social media sites. 
Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.